0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. This is Matt Watson, your host today. I'm excited to be joined with Scott Tarsi from thecaddesignhelp.com. Um, if you're if you're looking to do some um, design work, he'll he'll be the guy. And excited to talk to him about um, what he does today, and um, you know how how engineers are good entrepreneurs. And you know I'm an engineer, and so is he. And it's gonna be a fun conversation today. Before we get started, I do want to remind everybody that today's episode of the Startup Hustle is powered by FullSkill.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. FullSkill can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and has the platform to help you manage your team visit fullskill.io to learn more. Scott, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? So I'm an engineer, but I think you're a totally different kind of engineer for me. What kind of engineer are you?
1: Yeah. in the Before we started the recording, you said you were a computer engineer, computer science engineer. I'm a mechanical engineer. So I went to school at Virginia Tech for that. That's my degree. And basically what we do is we design like physical items, right? Like uh, any physical product you see out in the market. It could be a golf ball, a golf club. It could be a uh, laundry basket. I'm just looking around my house at stuff. You know it could be nail clippers, coffee cup, like all this kind of stuff falls under what engineers, I mean, cars are obviously a big one, you know, that's yeah. kind of what we tend to think of, you know, but there's, When you have a car, there's hundreds of engineers, just, you know, each engineer does one little piece. I used to work at a big company that made dishwashers, and I just worked on one little part of it, just the little control panel on top. That's literally the only thing I did. So anyways, that's kind of what mechanical engineers
0: do. So most people would probably assume that Silicon Valley probably has more software engineers than any other part of the United States. But actually, and I've been told this, I don't know if it's 100% true, Kansas City has more engineers per capita than any other place in the United States of all forms of engineers, not just software engineers. There are a lot of things designed here in Kansas City. It's kind of interesting. Like, we design a lot of the stadiums around the world, all the uh, gas power plants, nuclear power plants. There's some big companies here, engineering firms in Kansas City. So. I of, I have not a been to Kansas
1: City. I did not know that. Uh um, yeah. but no, I mean I could totally believe it. I mean there's there's a lot of demand out there.
0: So, I'm excited to talk today about how engineers are make good entrepreneurs. But I'd first love to learn a little more about your background and um you know how how you have, you know, your your career.
1: Yeah, so I like I said I went to school for uh college for, for uh mechanical engineering and took a typical design job right out of college i was working for a company called united pet group so this company made like basically any kind of pet product specifically i mean they had dogs and cats and everything but the division that i worked in i was living in virginia at the time did pet uh sorry fish stuff so i did like aquariums like designing aquariums designing pumps to pump the water little like fountain accessory pieces like all kinds of random stuff for a fish indoor and outdoor actually I did a lot more outdoor stuff for like an outdoor koi pond than I did indoor for the first couple years and then I would do both I think later on and so that I mean that's pretty typical start of a career for somebody that got my degree because it pays pretty well it's pretty easy to find a job Um, after that I worked for a company in North Carolina um, called uh, uh, well most people have heard of Bosch, uh, Bosch has many divisions. Like they have Bosch automotive. This was Bosch home appliances. So I specifically worked on dishwasher design. So we we're talking about, uh, earlier about, um, how there could be like hundreds of engineers. There was, there was like a hundred engineers just to make this dishwasher of all kinds of different electrical engineers wow. for electronics, mechanical engineers, like me for like the physical parts. And all I pretty much did was design the control panels, like where the buttons are and like i visited factories that made it learned quite a bit um but what i found it over time was that i don't have the right personality so i just don't fit into like a corporate environment very well um i'm too much of like a free thinker that i just i knew i needed to be my own boss of some type and it made sense i liked what i did for the most part i did, what i didn't like about corporate world was like you know the politics and in all the meetings and stuff like this like The actual design work is what I'd like to do, like sitting down at the computer and drawing it up and making it work. And so basically, um, I started doing that on the side. At the same time, what I had done is I had left that job and I started working in sales because I knew that I also had to be able to sell. And this was something I never learned and never done before. So I took a big pay cut in like 2014 and took a sales job and literally made 60 cold calls a day to people who had never heard of me. <laughs> Selling, uh, like there's like these, these smart screens, touchscreen things for like offices. And that was interesting, to say the least. Um, I wouldn't recommend people try to get work that way by cold calling because it's super inefficient. But I learned how to do it. I learned how to talk to people and try to persuade them, I guess you could say, to, to you know, if, they, if, they, if, there, if there was even a slight demand for what we were providing, I could at least try to get a meeting set up. So I, l- I learned a lot about it. But at the same time i was starting this uh this cad design thing on the side and it really started to pick up in like 2015 and it got to the point where i was able to quit that sales job and go full time with this and so basically uh my company is caddesignhelp.com and i started out just doing the 3d designs for typically like inventors or small businesses so if you're like an individual inventor and you have a product you want to bring the market you would hire me to design it right Mm -hmm. and at the beginning i just did the design work And what I realized is they all want to get a physical prototype made. That's typically the next step. And I was outsourcing it to this guy. And I said, I should bring this internally for a couple of reasons. One is I can verify the design better and faster. And two, this is like another revenue source. I would make a little bit off the top of whatever that guy was charging, but it wasn't the same as being able to to do it internally myself and have a lot better margin. So that's what I guess I thought. Yep, sorry, go ahead.
0: I'm going to guess you have a house full of 3D printers.
1: You're exactly right. So when I started out, I had one really crappy, cheap one because I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't want to go invest a bunch of money. And honestly, some of the cheap ones I have now are better than that one, but like, I had to learn a lot. So I bought the one that was marketed really well. (laughs) Let's put it that way. It wasn't very good, but it was marketed really well and it caught my eye and I bought it and it sucked and it took me like six months before I could make anything. But you know, now I I got rid of that machine. I've got seven pretty good machines. Now I'm pretty set that pretty much covers everything I need to make. Um, so that's kind of how I got started. I just, you know, at first I did the design work, then I outsourced the 3d printing, then I brought it internally. And since then, you know, I've expanded in a few ways. One is I learned that as an entrepreneur, you're going to have your ups and downs. And when things were slow, I realized I had these machines and I could make physical products I could sell online as like a secondary revenue source. So that's what I did is I started designing all kinds of stuff.
0: You know, um, I see I see people on TikTok that do that. They 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 make like all sorts of weird stuff and, and they must have like an online e-commerce store and they exactly they I have and some of them are like really cool. Yeah,
1: I have an Amazon, I have an eBay, and I have an Etsy store. And, you know, I try to find things that are in demand. Some of these things are just ornamental things. Some of these things are are things that actually serve a utility. But either way, I'm trying to think about what would somebody buy. Like one of my better inventions was I had a Yeti cup. And I'm a big golfer. I was on the golf course. I had my Yeti cup in my bag. I was walking the course that day. And it was splashing everywhere. There's a little hole in the top. And I'm like, why is there not a plug for this? And I Googled it. And I couldn't (laughs) even find a plug. I was like, "I I can solve this problem in no time. So I did it. You know, it always takes a couple. I tell every inventor is like, you're not going to nail it the first time. I got pretty close. You know, I measured the hole, designed the thing, 3D printed. It was a little bit too big, didn't fit. You know, a little smaller, okay, it fit pretty good. And I and I've made other versions since then. Like now, I have a silicone version, which is perfect because it's it's like a squishable material. Yeah, yeah, forms, forms a perfect seal. But in any case, I made this solve my own problem. I said, you know what? I could. I bet other people would buy this, and it still sells today. This was five years ago. I mean, this is like an extra 50, 100 bucks a month. I mean, it's a very cheap two dollar piece, but you know, it costs me pennies to make, if that.
0: Now, and do you print those at home, or you you yeah, buy those in bulk now?
1: I just make everything myself. Even I've if it's silicone, what do you say?
0: Even if it's silicone,
1: yeah. What I do is I three D print a mold, and then I pour I pour put a oh, you in pour the silicone.
0: Okay, okay, got it. But
1: I have two, a couple different. I charge more for that because it's a lot more labor. Yeah, but it's a better product too. And well, then, or 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 if you have any kids, you put them to work. <laughs> I actually hired a kid in the neighborhood. I don't know do kids myself, but there's a kid in the neighborhood who wants to make some money. And I pay him like, you know, a decent rate cash. So it's all under the table. And he comes over and, you know, um, pour some molds for me. <laughs> yeah. Pour silicone plug have, for me.
0: Have you ever seen the guy on TikTok? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's called unnecessary inventions.
1: Yes. I need to look at this more. I, a couple, I don't do TikTok a lot, but I have a friend that, that, that uses it and he'll send me some of those videos and I've seen it. And it's, pretty interesting i mean he has like the best so.
0: channel ever and you you would absolutely love it because it's all stuffy like 3d prints and it's like the weirdest like goofiest invention you would ever imagine like why right. would somebody it's, like, this? That's, that's, it's
1: like it's, a, it's like it's like yes it can be done but should you have done that in oh
0: it? yeah it's it's incredible yeah. so I'm, I'm doing I'm,
1: it for fun obviously because it's yeah, like yeah it's like don't waste your t- if you're trying to trying to turn a profit here you don't waste your time with stuff like that but no but he probably monetizes his channel because it gets tons of views that's probably oh he, yeah
0: millions so yeah. I'm curious, uh, what is like the coolest thing somebody's ever came to you and asked you to to design? Man, that's a good
1: question, because I've done so many things. Um, some of the weirdest one of the weirdest things was this like they called it the doggy dong. So it was like this dog toy shaped like a dildo. It was really weird. And I'm like, I don't know why you'd want this thing sitting on the floor in your house. If somebody comes over for dinner, they don't even know what this thing. I mean, it looked so just wrong in so many ways
0: i was gonna ask you if, if you've ever been asked to print like create design like weird sex toys i guess that's oh my yeah i mean at least
1: once a month i get i get i get at least like a job, somebody asking and i put in a bid um yeah people have like really weird sex toy ideas like i don't <laughs> ask any questions you know what i mean i i'm not turned down work but it's just like sometimes i think get this stuff and i'm thinking like you're crazy like this is so bizarre but um some of the cooler things i did this one thing with this paintbrush this guy was like Really good, like paint, it, like artists, and and some kind of bowl, like so. Apparently, use mineral spirits to clean paint brushes. Yes, and like it evaporates. So he found a way to like, and it's expensive the the mineral spirits. So he found a way to create this bowl that would seal, and like you could keep it in there for like a couple of weeks. It would save you a lot of money in the long run. And That was like that was a long time ago. I did that, but that was a really complicated product because it had all these crazy ridges on it and stuff. It was like really hard to mold, but we, you know we figured it out. Um You know, I've learned a lot about like, like what you learn doing this is like a lot of the best inventions are from people that work in very specific industries. So it's not necessarily, it's going to, something that's going to apply to everybody in the world.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. But
1: something that like, like I had this one guy's electrician and like when he goes into these buildings, like for like commercial buildings and they put in the electrical wire, like there was some issue of like it getting cut and this little plastic tube thing we made would like prevent that. And like every single electrician would buy it because it would save them so much money. Like that's the kind of best inventions that you have. If you work in a very specific industry or have a hobby, like if you're a golfer or a golf pro, I've done tons of golf things. Like if you know a certain drill that you want people to do or like a certain thing you want them to, like if you can create, like if you know a lot about it, that's where the money is. Like cause, Because it's like really simple things like, oh, I want an iPhone case. Well, it's like, okay, dude, like there's a bazillion iPhone cases. Like yours isn't probably gonna be that different. But if you're in a specific industry that there's there's a certain segment of people that everyone's going to want it and it's a big problem, that's where you want to try to create a product.
0: So I do want to make sure and mention so everybody knows that you also have your own podcast called The Engineering Entrepreneur. You want to tell Correct, us a, yes. a little bit about that real fast?
1: Um, I started that for a couple of reasons. I mean, one, obviously, like credibility out there, you know, getting your name out there, SEO, marketing, all that stuff. But also because... I wanted to listen to a podcast about somebody doing something like I was doing and there nothing existed, at least in 2016 when I started it. So that's why I started the podcast. And so I've interviewed tons of different engineers and entrepreneurs and a lot of stuff related to inventors, like, like patent agents that work at the patent office. So if you want to know how stuff gets patented, like I've learned a ton. I've done a, at least a, three episodes with like a patent agent before or a patent attorney. You know, There's there's a slight difference there, but tons of people who invented something and it's really cool. It's a lot like Shark Tank, but like verbally, right? Like the inventor episodes. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, how did I come up with this idea? How did I create the product? Like how did I do the marketing? Like all the stuff you need as an inventor, I've talked with people about it. And it's just like Shark Tank, but it's like way more in detail. Because Shark Tank, they'll show like a little five-minute segment of like what they did, but it doesn't really go into the details of everything. And that's really where my show came in for... And th- those are those kind of episodes. I mean, we've have Other types where it's just like engineers working at companies, or it could be engineers having their own company like me. And so I've done like 120 episodes so far.
0: Oh, wow. Well, good. Well, so I'd, I'd love to talk more today about being an engineer, and then how that's actually kind of a good trait for us to be an entrepreneur. But maybe before we talk about that, I almost feel like being an engineer is actually has some bad traits for being an entrepreneur. And... Maybe you and I, so we're both different kinds of engineers, but it it seems like you and I, for most engineers, most engineers, let's be honest, don't have very good communication skills or not very good at talking to other people and are usually not very good at sales. But interesting enough, you said like you forced yourself to do sales. And actually, when I was in college, I worked in sales. I worked at Sears and I sold furniture. And I think it probably helped me a lot with getting uh, better at talking to people.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I noticed a big difference between just how my personality was at like, you know, the the engineering jobs compared to other people. Like I was much more of like, not go-getters, not the right word. It's more like I would break the mold, right? So most people would just fall in line and I would be like, no, like, this doesn't make sense. Like we should do it this way. And I got in a lot of trouble for that, for basically speaking my mind. And that's kind of where I realized, like, I don't really fit in here, like, I, th- yeah. I don't, I don't follow the mold that they want us to do. And, you know, I've been, I'm a fairly outgoing person, but like, it's different when you're, you, you're sale sell- you're selling and marketing. So yeah, that's something that I just said, okay, I need this skill and the best way to do it is to go take a job, but that's what I do. So I just made that decision. I mean, I really wanted to work for myself. I really wanted to, you know, and the benefits of working for yourself, it, mostly for me, is controlling my time. Like I don't like being told I'm going to be sitting in a cubicle from eight to five. Like that was honestly the number one motivator for me to get out. I just, I don't mind working. I don't mind especially doing design work. I don't like the meetings part, like all that stuff, like sitting I with, hear you. But in stupid paperwork, which I always had to do. But the design work part I've always liked. So I don't mind working, but I want to be able to go and travel and do things during the day and just whatever. And that was the biggest motivator. So I was just going to do whatever it took, and I, I had a pretty good feeling taking a sales job and learning that was a big step towards it. So I just did what had to be done. But I think most engineers aren't going to have that skill set right off the bat because just there's just zero training in in college, and we don't really, we don't even really do that many team projects. Not like usually our personality
0: team. type. It's usually the right. We're like loners
1: that like sit in yeah. front of a computer and like grind it out. And I still do that because I like it. But you have to have the other side as an entrepreneur. Like if you can't pick up the phone and call somebody and like talk to them and like listen to the issue so you can, you know, do the job and give them a quote, then you're just never going to make it. Like that's the number one thing too. It's like anytime I get a – I have a couple websites or people come to me directly. Like I try to call them anytime I can over email. Like I'll email first, but as soon as I have a minute, like five minutes free, I'm going to call them because there's just something about talking to somebody on the phone versus email that's just going to help you
0: land that job so much higher so why do you think that engineers make good entrepreneurs
1: yeah so basically on the flip side of that it's the i think it's the creativity because an entrepreneur like it's it's not you know it's not like you just show up at work and get paid and that's all you have to do like sometimes things aren't going to go well like for example like i talked about earlier was like multiple revenue streams right Like like design work got real slow a couple of times over the years and I like I got creative and I said, OK, well, what can I do t- as another revenue source to, to take up this gap? And that's where I said I use the 3D printers to make products. And I just feel like like engineers think that way, right? We're problem solvers. Yeah, so I saw the problem. And I was able to f- figure out a solution to it.
0: Well, and I feel like especially in early stage startups, there's always a lot of problems, a lot of unknowns, a lot of things to figure out. And you need people that that have that in their DNA. They're just good problem solvers and they're willing to, you know, jump and and build wings, right? Like that it's you just have to figure it out as you go. But some people cannot handle that scenario, right? They need to know where they're going, when they're going, they need to be very organized, all that. Yeah, my
1: wife is exactly like that. Like she could yeah. never do what I'm doing. Like she needs someone to tell her, this is what you're doing now. This is the task. This is where you're going to be like it could not be more 180 for me. Yes. Which is again, like why i never fit into the corporate world is like, if I saw a better way of doing something, Mm -hmm. I would want to do it that way. And I would be told by a lot of the bosses I had, it's like, no, you have to do it our way. Even if I have no reason behind it, other than we've always done it that way. And that drove me crazy. (laughs) I said, no, this is super inefficient. And you're not listening to me, you
0: know, well, and then as companies scale, they need that opposite, right? They need people to just like fall in line and do what they're told and carry. Yeah, carry and out there the are people
1: out there like that. Yeah, and, and if you're hiring for that position, like that's something that's super important to pay attention to. If you get a guy like me, if you have a job like that, where it's somebody who just needs to follow the directions and not do anything creative, I guess you would say. Yeah. You need a yeah. person who wants to do that or whatever, because otherwise they're going to be getting happy and they're going to they're going to leave. And then you're going to have to rehire somebody else, right, for that, that position. So yeah, I think personality-wise is a big part of like what job you're going to do or not do, right?
0: So if you do need to hire software engineers, it doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the full-scale platform to define your technical needs and then see what developers, engineers are available to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. So um what else what What else do you think makes engineers a, a a good entrepreneur
1: that's a good question i mean I'm trying to expand upon that you know maybe maybe just the training in just the world right so like if you're an engineer you do a lot of science right you don't understand how the world works so just being like super realistic with things maybe helps a lot you know you, you don't you don't try things that are too crazy, I suppose um, versus somebody that maybe doesn't have that kind of background. They might try to create things that are just impossible. And so, it, you know, waste, waste time creating impossible things versus somebody who's like, okay, well, I know that Newton's our first law is, you know, whatever, whatever it is, I should know. It's like, you don't, you know, you, you, you have a good place to start from. It's, just, it's a little easier to get your product design developed starting from that standpoint, because you've got a good, background in it.
0: Well, I think I think one of the keys there is you're an inventor, right? Like for a lot of things, it it takes an inventor to come up with some crazy idea, whatever it is, solve a problem that nobody's ever solved before, look at it in a different way, and then be able to build a business around it. And and maybe some engineers are great at figuring out like the patent or the thing or the design. Maybe maybe they're maybe some of them aren't as great as building the business around it, but they, you know, they can be the 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 wizard behind the behind the curtain too that you know is, is coming up with crazy ideas
1: yeah and so that is kind of a difference it's like you can have you can be an inventor you could be an engineer you could be both you could be you could be a business owner but not be an engineer like there's different things um and it kind of comes down to what you want to do like some people are going shark tank they just want to license it and i wouldn't mind that personally like I, the part i really like is the design part now I don't have those kind of connections. So sometimes I just got to do the marketing myself. And I can, I've can i started to learn to appreciate it more. The last few years, I've, I've learned a lot more about the marketing side, like the SEO side, how important that is. And I've just taught myself a lot. I mean, everything in the world is a great quote I heard from a guy. Everything in the world is explained on YouTube. Like if you need to learn it something, is. you go to the YouTube. And so I learned everything about SEO because my website wasn't doing well. wasn't ranking. It wasn't getting a lot of leads. And I actually hired a guy, a marketing company, and they screwed up the whole thing. Like everything they did was wrong. I was like, I should have just done this myself a year ago. So and I went and fixed everything in the last two weeks. And why know, do we pay
0: $25,000 a year for college now?
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I'll be honest. Like,
0: I don't understand.
1: <laughs> at this point, like I it, it is what it is at this point. I don't regret going to college. Like I paid off my loans. It's all done. But knowing what I know now, leaving high school, I probably would have done like trade school, man. I would make would yeah. way less money, been an electrician. And just started a business like that. And like once you get established, hire other electricians to do all the work and just I mean, just automate as much as you can. And like, yeah, if you gotta fill in for a job one day, it's fine. But like, there's so much demand for that kind of stuff because so few people are doing it. But I, you know, hindsight's 2020. I didn't know that when I was 18 years old. I just everyone said, you know, my dad said go to college. Everyone said, Go to college, I said, okay, I'll go to college. But knowing what I know now, yeah, I mean, incurring all that debt and everything. Yes, I learned a lot in school, but I use 10% of it at this point. I mean, all the calculus I did, all this other stuff, like, I don't use it anymore at all. And so, while I appreciate, you know, going through it or with other people that I have, it's there's very few jobs. Like, unless you go be a professor or you're doing, like, you know, some kind of weird, like, R&D. It's, like, NASA or something. Like, a lot of this kind of math that I went through wasn't really necessary.
0: Yeah. You know. Some of it is academic. And so the same thing on the software side, you have a lot of people that will go to college for computer science and like 90% of the software developers don't need to learn a lot of the shit that they teach would teach you in computer science. Cause a lot of it's low level programming stuff or theory and things like that. But actual on the job these days, the, the tools that we have available to write software make it so easy that like 90% of all those problems are abstracted away. Like I don't need how to, I don't need to know how to write a bubble sort algorithm. I just like one line of code dot sort. I'm done. Like (laughs) there there, there are frameworks for this. Like I don't really need to know how it works under this, under the cover. Right, exactly.
1: Like I've done a little, I've learned a little bit of coding myself just for like, I I control an Arduino using a little bit of coding and it's like, it's all online. Like you just Google, I need this little thing. And it's just like, it's more about like knowing what you need. And then you just Google it and you just copy paste. Like there are CAD files on websites where it's like, I don't necessarily need to go design this thing. I can download a model and just modify it. Same with what you're doing, like with the code. Like you don't necessarily now I will say that even if you can do that, you still have to have the skill set to know how to modify it and know what you needed in the first place, which means you almost need to start at the very beginning, at least once, building all those things so that you can ap- appreciate slash understand how it was done, at least a little bit. Then after that, yeah, just download it every time. But I think knowing, I think having that little bit of background makes a big difference. It makes you a lot more dangerous, like as a designer, no matter if it's software or mechanical stuff.
0: I think one of the other problems that engineers have in regards to being an entrepreneur is we, we tend to be tinkerers and we tinker with the product a lot. And it's easy, especially on the software side, to spend forever optimizing yes, the software, building the software, tinkering this with all this is something of it, that you never get it to market. Like you never sell it. Yes, You're just like you have
1: to be careful. Absolutely, you have to be careful of this. I have a client, and I appreciate him t- hiring me every month, but he has been working on this exercise wheel for forever. He started with somebody before me. I mean, I must have changed something on this exercise wheel. Let's say that we added uh, like a grip on it on, on the like it's one of those ab wheel kind of things, but it's like a spin on that. And we'll add some grip texture to it. Then, literally, the next iteration, we'll remove it, and then two iterations later, we'll put it back on. Like he's just going in circles with this thing, and he's been and he's been working on it for. I mean, it's it's never going to be a hundred percent. It's shit that doesn't even matter. Of, it doesn't even really matter that much. It Doesn't even it, matter. Who cares? Who knows? If the customer even wants it? Like yeah. I read a, a book about this, The Lean Startup. This is like really important for people to listen. Like if you're an inventor or you want to create something. Get your minimum viable product. Just get yeah. the lowest level thing that even somewhat works and get it out there because then you're going to learn really quickly like what people want, what they don't want. You can make a few more changes and then you're done and you start making money versus spending money forever. And that's what people do. Like Some people are just so perfectionist. And that is a downside yeah. of being an engineer is that too many engineers want to be Like The math has to be perfect this file has to be perfect. It's like, no, it doesn't. It's the 80-20 rule. Like you live in the real world long enough and you learn that 80% is good enough, right?
0: Well, and the last 20% takes 80% of the time also to build
1: Right, the (laughs) 80-20 rule applies all the time. Just follow the 80-20 rule, right? When you're 80% there, you're done and you move on to the next thing because that extra 20% is not worth chasing.
0: Yeah. Uh, But but yeah,
1: a lot of inventors and engineers make this mistake because they just, they want to be perfectionists And if it's like for a personal hobby or whatever, I mean, that's fine. That's whatever you want to do. But if you want to create a sustainable business, that is not the way to go about it because you're just going to, you're going to spend so much time down in the weeds and you could have moved on to other bigger, better things at that point.
0: So when starting a business, so if you're an engineer, how important do you think it is for an engineering personality type to have other founders that help balance, balance us out. Like somebody who's really good at sales or operations, because those aren't necessarily our personality. Um, Yeah.
1: I, I, I've never really thought too much. I mean, for me personally, like I like being just a single person. I'm I'm incorporated as a single member LLC, right? So I'm the only employee now. Yes, I have contractors. I've got five guys that do CAD for me, you know, men and women, I shouldn't say guys, five people around the world that do CAD for me. Because the only way to scale is to have other people. Like when I land too many jobs that I can do myself or that I want to do, I have them do it, right? I have a virtual assistant who helps me out. But at the end of the day, I'm the single owner, right? So all the top level decisions I get to make. And I definitely don't micromanage because that's, again, almost like the perfectionist thing. If you're going to micromanage these people working for you, every, nitpick every little thing, it would have be faster just to do it yourself. So I give them basic blueprints and give them pretty good leeway on how to do the design work. And I always check it over. But once they've done a few projects for me, they get pretty good at it. So the five people that I have now doing CAD work, you know, I've had to hire and fire a few. We've we got a, like a, a like a perfectly like you know, efficient system working where I can, I can set up the Dropbox folder and say, here's what we're making. You know, here's generally how I want it done. And boom, they knock it out. And um, so, you know... From that standpoint, I've been able to free up enough of my time that I can personally do the sales. I can manage a lot of things, but I don't think it's a bad thing if you want to partner with somebody and then you only focus on your thing. But then any you know, any time you partner with somebody, you're going to have some some
0: has its own problems. Possibly
1: problem. <laughs> arguments. You know, I've got a yeah. friend who who does um, woodworking. He does it's, it's a small something small batch carpentry. I live in Charlotte. Small batch country, carpentry, Charlotte, or something. And he just split up with his partner because basically this guy, uh, Preston, he wants to, he loves it so much that he wants to work 80 hours a week. All right. And the other guy, they both were physically building. They had a couple helpers, but they were the business owners and they both were working on building the furniture. I mean, that's the number one task is getting it actually made. I think they both did a little bit of sales, but they had so many referrals. They don't need to do much sales. Like it's word of mouth was like giving them constant work. But the other guy had two kids and couldn't, and would not work weekends. And so then they got into a big argument over how the money should be split because Preston was putting in more hours and the other guy just can't do it. Like his wife is not going to let him go away all weekend to work on the wood. So they actually split up because this is just too much of a deal for them of like how they, cause they were splitting everything 50, 50, but Preston was getting mad that he wasn't getting more when he was doing a lot more work. And you know, who knows how they discussed it up front about the hours and how they would do it. But at the end of the day, you know this was a fundamental problem for them and so this is kind of the downside yeah. of being, being a
0: having buddy. business partners is always a problem i've had a lot of business partners and they've almost always been a big problem for one reason or another so
1: yeah so i feel like but it's I, a hard model to make work unless you and the guy are like super on page but even then i would want i would want everything in writing of what our yeah what our policies sure. are going to be because yeah and you know, once you add one person beyond yourself then it's just I feel a like lot on
0: the so the software side, if you're trying to create a SaaS business, um, if you're a first time entrepreneur and you're more of a software engineering type person, I feel like you almost have to have a co-founder and definitely not another co-founder that's also a software engineer. Like that's a, it's an even worse idea. Um, I feel like you got to have somebody that can help with the sales, um, sales and operational side of it because most software engineers are just terrible at all of it and they they need somebody else to help balance them out from an executive perspective and you know being able to run the business and figure things out and even though i didn't have the greatest business partners in the past i'm sure what i was doing would not have been successful without them so um, is your
1: current is your current company um you just you or do you have uh like a business cuz you know, you're the engineering side do you do you doing it all yourself now that you cuz this is so, like
0: so our company full scale, me and a, another gentleman uh, own it. And he, he runs the business. He's a CEO. I'm, I'm actually, um, am not part of the day to day part of it. Um, so he, he runs it. Um, okay. but, and so his background is more in sales. Yeah. Sales marketing. Um, okay. my, my first business I had started, um, the other guy was more of a salesperson. And so, you know, he, he he'll bring the first customers and I built the product and whatever. And, um, you know, we had we had some differences down the road, as you mentioned earlier, you just gave some other examples. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, but I would not, especially at that time, I was like, say, 21, 22 years old when I started that company. Like, it would have been hard for me to, like, go around to random car dealerships and try and sell software to them or whatever. And he had the relationships and, you know. I yeah. Exactly, yeah. So
1: that, that made a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. I
0: wasn't, I was, I was like 33
1: when I maybe 32 when I started this. So I had a lot of like, let's say real world experience, right. Working yeah. with pe- people of all different types, like working for big companies. Um, you know, I had, like I said, I hadn't done sales, but when I started working that sales job, that kind of really made me a lot more comfortable with the whole selling side of things. And so maybe just because of where I was in life, it worked out. And but I'm also, I'm also the type of person where I'm pretty open-minded. Like I think a lot of engineers are stubborn and they don't want to like listen to other people and, and take advice. And that's just not me. Um, and I think just because having, having that attitude enables me to like expand to different skill sets and just being able to do everything I need to do. I,
0: I would say on the software side, I definitely run into software engineers where they think it's more art. Like some of the – worst software engineers I've ever worked with or some of the actual absolute smartest, they just were so hung up about writing like the world's perfect code and it being like some art form to them where it's not like the customer doesn't give a shit what programming language is in and how it works. Like they don't care how the sausage is made, right? They don't care about any of it. And some people just are terrible perfectionists and to their own downfall.
1: Yeah. and, And if that's you, you've got to, uh,
0: you can't run a business.
1: Yeah, you gotta. Have to. <laughs> if you wanna be an entrepreneur, you're gonna to have to find somebody who's willing to go in with it with you and they're gonna handle that. Um, so that's, I agree with you there. If, if you can't, if you can't, if you're that way and you gotta be this perfectionist type, yeah, you're not gonna.
0: You so, need to have somebody else there. So I, I wanted to ask you about so obviously 3D printers have been all the rage over the last few years. How, how would you say, how was that in 2022? Are they still not as popular as they were like the first wave of it is kind of over. And, and, you know, obviously there's still a lot of uses for them, but like, you know, what, but I'm just kind of curious, what is your take on the like 3d market? So, actually, 3d printing has been around since the eighties.
1: What made all the news in like 2012 ish, I think it was, it was the patent ran out. So really that's all that happened. You couldn't, you couldn't really buy a 3d printer unless you bought it from Stratasys, which was out of the ramp, range of everybody. Cause it was like $50,000 for the yeah. lowest in the machine. For rapid patent delivery. expiring changed everything. And it actually made a lot of what I do now possible. I mean, between the internet and the patent expiring, I don't know if I could do what I do right now. I re- I could not do what I'm doing right now. This this type of career would not be possible prior to those two things. Internet's obviously a little older than the patent expiring, but you know, being able to get work from wherever in the world I need to get it from and being able to have an affordable 3D printer. So really that was what changed it. So, yeah, there was a lot of rage about that because, yeah, now all this competition came up and you could buy a printer for under $1,000 and that was a big deal. All that being said, I think it's still very prevalent. Tons of people do it. Um, There's always new machines, new technology. I mean, the technology of FDM 3D printing, which is one most people know about, which the plastic wire gets pulled through and melted that can only be improved so much further. Like there's new sensors that detect if, if if something came off the bed, like there's certain things like that, that will keep getting better. But like the basic technology and the speed of it is basically going to be stay the same. There's, there's really no way you can print faster, at least from the science and everything I understand much more than you do now. So it's like, that's why I have seven printers because if things get really in demand and some of the products are selling like crazy, like one of my, uh, Products is like 11 inches tall. It just takes seven hours to print. I've optimized everything to get it to that fast. It's never going to be faster than that without the quality dropping. So I need an extra two or three machines to get a couple done a day, depending on how many are selling. And that's just the side of it that's not going to change. But there's other you know types of technology like the SLA with the laser, and there's other types that are becoming much more affordable all the time. And I have an SLA machine, uh the Form Two, but there's even cheaper ones than that now, um, especially from like over in China. So it's, it's so really if I affordable.
0: wanted So if I wanted to buy a three D printer well for I don't know just to print like goofy things for my kids or whatever, just to, like jack around with, what kind of three D printer would you recommend?
1: So of all the ones I have, the Ultimaker two is the best. Now it wasn't the cheapest, it was about two thousand. And that's an old model. I don't know if you can buy that. What'd you say? Dang, that's expensive. Yeah, but it's it was built with really good parts. So all these three D printers that are built with three D printed parts. It sounds good in theory, but 3D printed parts just aren't that strong. The Ultimaker 2 was built with injection molded parts, and so they're very durable. And, and It's just worth it to not have to go in and replace all these pieces that break on the cheaper printers. Like that's what's really annoying to me. Like I bought a couple of printers, the Creality CR printers. I have the CR, uh, or the is it CR CR 10 four and S five. Like they were only like six or seven hundred dollars, but man, I mean, like. Usually, what I do, like when I get these, is like I join the Facebook group because that's where everybody's talking about it. And if you have a problem, there's somebody who's had it before you, and they can answer it. And like the number of parts that people are like, when you buy the Creality printer, replace all these things. It's like half the printer you got to replace the day you buy it. I'm like, I don't have time for this. Like, well, I build these so- machines to create revenue, not waste my time.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, what about the guy with me? Like me though. I, I mean, I'm not trying to start my own Etsy store. I'm just trying to print some goofy crap with my kids. So.
1: All right, so the question is, how much time do you want to spend fixing the machine? If you None. enjoy that and you want to spend tons of time, buy the cheapest machine and save a buck, but you will have to spend tons of time fixing it. If you don't want to do that, then you got... I mean, I can give you plenty of advice about it because there's tons of more machines I've never used, but from the ones I've, I have used, the most expensive were not necessarily the most reliable. I have a... um a raised pro two plus, and that thing hasn't worked in six months. Now I could probably, if I spend the next five hours, figure it out, but I haven't, I can, I have other machines that get stuff done. So I haven't bothered with it, but it was a $6,000 machine and it has not been as reliable as I was, as I had hoped.
0: So I'm curious for your, your CAD design business. So do a lot of your clients try and, and do this stuff themselves and try and print stuff themselves and then figure out like, it's just way too complicated. Yeah, that happens a lot. Oh, you to people,
1: out. <laughs> people go and get like crappy online CAD programs that aren't very good and they'll make stuff, but then they'll, they'll be like a manufacturer can't use this file. And I'm like, yeah, that program can't export the file that he needs, yeah. unfortunately, or it wasn't designed correctly for manufacturing. Like, I mean, People, I mean people like that are generally easier for me to work for because at least they've already put some thought into it and they've got, created something and they're more motivated. just the fact that you were willing to like at least try shows that you're pretty serious about it. Um, so I get some of those, but there's plenty of people that just give me like napkin sketches, which is fine too. Um, the only thing I can't do is I can't I can't design something if they don't give me any kind of visual like if they just write like unless it's like literally a rectangle or a block. But outside of stuff like that, like when people write like a paragraph to describe it, I'm like, it's really hard for me to know what this thing is or, or doing, you know, go to Google images and send me a couple of things, you know, th- th- no matter what you're making, there's always something kind of close. Yeah. Would say, Hey, it's like this thing except for that. And that like helps the most.
0: Um, and it's no different in software, right? Like I have no problem with like beg, borrow and steal from other people's designs and their inspirations and improve on them or whatever. Right. Like that's a, that's just human nature. That's that's, that's just,
1: just yeah. It's good. just how. That's just how. That's just the easiest way to do it. Like why, yeah. why make it harder than it has to be?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
1: I had this guy that, that he wanted like a coffee maker, and it's like he did it exactly how I would have done it. He's like, he's like, here's an existing coffee maker, but I don't like these things about it. Here's what we're changing, and yeah, we'll change the look a little bit so it doesn't look like a, a complete rip off. But like that explained it perfectly to me. I said, okay. You want to be, you want the little, the coffee filter area to be a little deeper and not as wide. Okay. Like, like, like super straightforward stuff. And like, those are the projects that are the easiest because like, I don't have to go. It's not a lot of back and forth. Like I know exactly what to do.
0: Well, I think this has been a great episode talking about engineers and engineers, uh, how our personality types, um, can be good or, and or bad entrepreneurs at times. But if you need to hire software engineers, let full scale help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullskill.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and let our platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced engineering team. At FullScale, we specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullskill.io. So I think this has been a fun episode. For um, those who are thinking about doing some sort of 3D design and, and need this kind of help, um, tell us a little more about how they can reach out to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My website, caddesignhelp.com. My email is info at caddesignhelp.com. And you know, before before we sign off, I want to tell everybody. So I've been asked by a lot of other engineers, like, how did I create this business? Like literally what we talked about. Mm -hmm. And I actually created an online course going like the step-by-step of literally like the details of what I've done that I think can apply to other mechanical engineers or any type of engineer that wants to start a business. And really get them going and give them a lot of like, you know, skip a lot of, uh, miss, skip a lot of the mistakes I made along the way. And so this, this course is under, uh, Com, which the dot .thinkific, like part of the main is the, is the platform I use to create the course. Okay. And I'll, I'll send you the link so people don't have to try to remember all that. They can just click on it. Through all your right, we'll try
0: note. and put it in the show notes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Absolutely, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: And, uh, Catch you later. All right. Take care. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.